You are listening to The Geo Show. I am your host, GOP, and today I'm going to be presenting an interview with a good friend of mine, Dante DeCuria. Some might know him as the Diamond Dante. And this interview was recorded quite a while ago. Uh, well, maybe not that long ago compared to some of my older ones, but this was done in November of 2020. So Dante is a fellow radio broadcaster. He's actually had the prestigious role of being able to work with the Blue Jays, and he's broadcasted for over so many teams in both uh, the U.S. and Canada. Now, the reason I'm prefacing this with a bit of an intro is because I have to be honest, I'm not too happy with my performance through the episode. Of course, the guest, uh, Dante, is fantastic, but I'm just disappointed with myself uh, mostly. But of course, uh, that's actually something that we discuss in the interview. You know, you have good shows, you have bad shows, and you have shows that sometimes you're disappointed with your own performance with, and I guess this is one of them. Um, But I still think this is a fantastic episode. It was such an honor to have Dante on, uh, an honor to call him a friend, and I hope you will enjoy this interview in this special presentation, I guess a bit of an intro into the vault of the show of the geo show so please enjoy the geo show dante decuria let's get into it the geo show 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 Welcome to another episode of The Geo Show. I am, of course, your host and master of ceremonies, GOP. And today we are once again joined by another alumni from the Algonquin College radio broadcasting program. I am here with Dante DeCuria. He is a fellow radio broadcaster. He wasn't in my year. He brought, he uh, graduated uh, quite a bit before me, but he's got quite the resume. Uh, he's worked with the Ottawa Junior Senators. He's worked with the Golden Knights and even the Blue Jays. And he's here with me today. Dante, how are you doing? Geo, man. An absolute pleasure. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing fantastic. And uh, of course, happy to be here with you today. To start off with the with the question I ask all my uh, broadcasting friends, how did you get into this? Uh, what what led you into the crazy world of broadcasting? Well, it's kind of a long story. Uh, I can go down different avenues with this, but uh, I think it kind of first started legit when I joined the radio broadcasting program and. Uh, you know, took that two-year program and, and worked under the, the great professors at Algonquin like Dan Mellon and Dan Palanen and Lana Payne and uh, Chris Duffy, and the, the list goes on and on. They kind of gave me the opportunity and, and kind of put me in the right direction to become um, the broadcaster that I am today And in terms of giving me that start. Of course, I've worked under a lot of great mentors over the years, so um, I mean, I'll definitely mention them if uh, if I get to that, but um, I think it was the radio broadcasting program that, that kind of really gave me that leap. But prior to that, I was always interested in, in becoming a broadcaster. I don't really know why. I think it was like nine years old that it kind of became something I wanted to do when guidance counselors would ask me, hey, what do you want to do when you get older? You know, in grade seven, grade eight, grade nine, I was like, I want to be a broadcaster. So that was always a goal of mine. Uh, In grade 11, I did a high school co-op with uh, Derek Simpson at Rogers TV. We did a high school sports zone. And then in grade 12, I did a high school co-op at at TSN 1200. So uh, I think those were two big starts. They really got me interested in it. And then I got accepted in the program in Algonquin. And then, uh, you know, the rest is history. I, I obviously worked really hard uh, in the program. I did a lot of hockey. I uh, made a lot of connections, and uh, you know that was kind of the start for me. What would you say? Have you had any, I guess, inspirations that uh, 
kind of inspired you to take this career route? Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a few. I mean, I never knew I was going to be mostly a play-by-play and sports broadcaster. I was always interested in doing radio. I was more interested in being a talk show guy when I was younger. But then when I got to the program, I was asked to do play-by-play, and I said, you know what, this is something that I've actually always kind of been interested in since I was a kid. I always kind of paid attention to play-by-play broadcasters, but uh, it's tough to kind of, you know, name one or two guys that really inspired me to do this. But, uh, I mean, I'd say... Uh, in 2017, when I had the opportunity to be mentored by Jerry Howard, um, he was the Blue Jays radio broadcaster for 36 seasons, um, one of the best in the business, in my opinion. He really inspired me to um, to take it and run with it. He gave me a lot of uh, positive feedback. He gave me a lot of confidence. And I think it was 2017 when I was an intern with the Blue Jays that um, I it really think started to click. I think things really started to click maybe last year or the year before that I started to figure things out. Um, I'm, I'm someone that's very hard on myself, so um, I'm always looking to improve. I'm looking to, to find ways uh, to get better each broadcast and each day, not only as a person but as a broadcaster. So I think, you know, Jerry really inspired me, you know, a little bit later um, in my, my aspirations to be a broadcaster. But, uh, you know, when I was growing up, I was always a fan of uh, Gary Thorne. I was a fan of you know, uh, Buck Martinez and Pat Tabler and uh, Dwayne Kuyper, who's the San Francisco Giants broadcaster. I remember playing, you know, MVP baseball 2005, and and he was someone that I really liked, uh, someone that I liked calling the games. Uh, John Miller, who's the radio guy for the Giants, uh, you know, that right off the top of my head, I think those are the, the few names that, that really, uh, oh, of course, Dan Shulman, another one. I mean, like, there's not one guy that I really enjoyed listening to that inspired me when I was, when I was a young kid. But, uh, um, you know, those are the few that I can think of right now. What was it like getting into uh, play-by-play? What was it like actually doing your first games? Was it, uh, did it go well or? I remember my first game, it was in October, 2015. It was at Sandy Hill Arena in, uh, in central Ottawa. Um, it was the Ottawa West Gold Knights Junior B playing the uh, Ottawa Junior Canadians, and it was myself uh, calling the game with uh, my my good friend Mason Dietrich, and it was hard, man. Like I had my whole family listening too, which was kind of cool. Uh, and of course, as you know, Gio, we're both Italian. Italians have big families, so we had a lot of people listening. It was kind of cool. Um, yeah, it was it was it was really difficult. Like I remember I remember this very well. Puck drops, and I'm like, wow, like. I was so excited, but I'm like, man, I keep forgetting the names. <laughs> like, like it was, it was so hard because I obviously never done something like that, but I did a lot of games that year. And then I started doing baseball in the summer of 2016. And then things kind of took off from there. But anybody that listening to the show thinks play by play is easy. It's not, it's, it's not easy at all, especially to do it well. And I think I do it well. So uh, it's taken a lot of practice and a lot of reps to get to where I am right now. It's, it's almost like, I wouldn't say it seems easy, but it almost feels like it's, uh, it, it, it's much different from when you're like imagining it versus actually doing it. Oh, 100%. I mean, I never thought it was easy, but I knew that it was going to be, you know, maybe not as hard as it comes for other people. I mean, to be honest, I think that I, that I have a, the natural ability and the talent to do it. It's, you know, I mean, I'm someone that believes that, you know, people are, are born with, with, with those abilities. And I believe that, you know, I, I'm gifted, um, with this ability to, to do play by play. And, you know, like when I, when I do a broadcast, it's, it's like, you know, my mind shuts off. It's just the game, right? Like I, 
I tell people all the time that I black out and it's kind of weird. I, I always wonder why do I black out? Like I can never remember like usually five, 10 minutes after the game. I can't remember what happened during the game and it's weird, but it's like I black out and it's just like, I, I don't even think like, like the game just comes, you know, pretty smooth and easy to me. Um, obviously I'm not where I want to be. I, I'm, I still have lots to improve. I'm not saying that I'm the best, but I'm just saying that, um, I think I have that, you know, natural ability and talent to, to do, uh, play by play at, at a high level. And, uh, I mean, over the years I've had, uh, a lot of fun. I've worked under some great people and, uh, I just want to keep the ball rolling. You're like in the zone there. hundred percent. I mean, I never knew this didn't happen until maybe the last like two, three years, but like. I think you're totally, you're totally right. You hit the nail on the head right there. Like I get into this zone where I just go. So I get so like ultra focused that nothing else bothers me. I don't go on my phone. I'm not like looking up other things on the internet. It's just the game, the broadcast and the fans and the players. And that's all that matters to me at that point. I mean, in, in baseball, it's a little bit harder for me to get in the zone. I will admit that I'm not always in the zone when it comes to baseball, because it's a lot uh, slower sport, but that's something that I'm definitely striving towards and working on. But when it comes to hockey, I mean, this past year, it was locked in from the drop of the puck, actually from the pregame show uh, in BC. So that's interesting. It is. And transitioning from that, you you actually know you're more of a hockey guy than a baseball guy, I'd assume. A lot of people say that, but uh, I would actually consider myself more of a baseball guy than a hockey guy, but uh, I've received obviously lots of different opinions over the years, but I, I don't know. Like people ask me, what are you better at? And I said, well, if you ask me in the winter, I'll say hockey. If you ask me in the summer, I'll say baseball. It's whatever I'm calling at that point, because in my opinion, I, I feel that I'm always, you know, taking steps to get better each, uh, each season. So it's always tough for me to kind of judge which sport I'm better at. But you've actually started out, you actually hosted a uh, baseball uh, uh, radio show at uh, CKDJ, um, back at the Algonquin Radio Program, and you were, and you mentioned that you actually wanted to get uh, started into the radio stuff as in talk shows. So, what was it like, kind of doing this and combining kind of two of those interests? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't as easy as I thought, but it, it's definitely easier than play-by-play. Um, I, I hosted around the diamond on CKDJ 107.9 back in 2016 through 2017. So, um, through I think I started it in my second year. So it would have been, yeah, 2016. And then I stopped when I got my internship uh, with the Toronto Blue Jays. Obviously, I, I had other things uh, that I was working on. I had, um, you know, other priorities. So I was unfortunately unable to continue the show. But uh, it was a lot of fun. I did it for a year. And uh, I had a lot of great guests. I think I did over 50 episodes, so once a week. And it was uh, it was a lot more difficult, especially doing it by yourself. But, you know, practice makes perfect. I, I kept practicing. I did a lot of interviews. And I, I think that kind of helped me become uh, the broadcaster I am today because I improved my interviewing skills. I improved my ability uh, to kind of think on the fly. I would prep, but I always I never wrote out what I was going to talk about. I always did, you know, bullet points. And I think that's the way I, I do best when I talk on the radio. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun. Like when I did interviews with these guests, it was you know, I had the opportunity to learn about them. They had the opportunity to a little bit learn about me. And then I, I built relationships. Some of them I met in real life. Some of them I still haven't met to the day. Um, some of them I already knew, be, you know, from meeting them at the ballpark. So 
uh, it kind of helped me build uh, quite a few connections that I still have today. And uh, it was a fun show, man. It was it was a lot of fun, and uh, I learned a lot. Um, it helped me work on enunciation, thinking skills. I mean, the list goes on and on. Like, you know, you're doing a podcast right now, and if you look, listen to your first episode, you'll probably go, wow, that was, you know, that was... And that that's not as good as the one that I'm doing, for example, today or, or in a year from now, right? And and I think that if if you can look back at both recordings and see progress, then not only is the show good for the listener, but it's good for you as well. That's the way I see it. You know, it's all about improvement. And uh, if it helps you improve as a broadcaster, go do it. And I I com- I agree like 100% with those testaments. Like, I do have a I guess a cringe moment where I do listen to some of my older older uh, less polished interviews from like. Tw- very early uh, 2019 but it's it's as you said it's great it's like a stepping stone and it's and as bad as it is it's almost like it's fantastic to go back and listen to it and say uh, how you've evolved from what you previously have done oh believe me Gio I'm I'm in the same boat if you go listen back in my stuff from first year we'll all start laughing like we we've done it so many times myself and of course you know Davide Discipio and a couple of other my friends will go listen back to my old stuff and be like I can't believe you said that or I can't believe you you talk like that your voice is so high right like my voice has obviously uh, changed um, over the years I think for the better um, I will add something though it was you know when I was interning with the Blue Jays uh, Jerry Howard who I, I mentioned earlier um, he kind of told me that it was like it, it it's okay to make mistakes, right? So, I mean, the big thing is a lot of young broadcasters, uh, especially, you know, starting out in college, in broadcasting programs, will get upset when they make mistakes. They cringe and they go, wow, I suck. Well, I mean, you in order to get better, you have to make mistakes. And Jerry always preached that to me. Make your mistakes now so that one day, if you, if you you're when you're in the big leagues, you're not making those same mistakes. And then he pointed out to me when I would shadow him, like, hey, I make mistakes and I'm in the majors and I've been doing this for 36 years. You know, at that point I was 19, but he's like, you're like, I can say right now, you're 23 years old and this is the time to make mistakes. And it wasn't just him that said it. My mentor, Jesse Goldberg Strassler, who's the voice of the Lansing Lugnuts, also would tell me, make the mistakes now, we're in A-ball. And then when you make that mistake, you point it out, you work on it so that it doesn't happen again and you're all good. It's really great. I hope I hope people do take that message away. It's very, very inspiring. Something I, I wanted to ask now is that you've actually also done work with the Blue Jays. What has the, what, what was that like? You were an intern, I believe, uh, with their media. Man, um, very stressful. Really? Looking, looking back, oh, 100%. I mean, you think about it, you know, walking into the Blue Jays clubhouse at 19 years old into that stadium – a place that you always dreamed of going to. I mean, I went to one Blue Jays game every year and it was like the best time of my life. And then all of a sudden you have a pass that opens almost every door in the building. And then you're in the Blue Jays clubhouse and you're beside Josh Donaldson, Jose Bautista, and some of the guys that you grew up idolizing and you're there. And it's just like your heart's racing so fast. Like it took me probably like two months to get used to it. Um, but the great thing about it is I don't get starstruck anymore because I was so used to it there, but, uh, it was a really tough transition, especially at 19 moving to Toronto. Um, I, I had the opportunity to live with my Zio and Zia, so my aunt and uncle, and, and they were fantastic. I, I'm so grateful for everything they did for me. Um, but yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. Um, I learned a lot. I made a lot of dumb mistakes. 
and I think I learned from those dumb mistakes for the better. I'm not going to sit here and say it was all pretty. It was all pretty. Um, you know, there's a few people that I'd like to thank. Uh, you know, Jay Stenhouse, who is the director of the or the, the leader of the the media team. Uh, you know, Mal Romanin, Sue Malabon, and Eric Grossman. Uh, they were hard on me, but it was honestly for the better. I was 19. I, I uh, at that point my ego was a little bit big, and um, you know they kind of brought me down to earth as well as Jerry. I mean, I saw, you know, at that level, uh, everyone is very humble, and you don't realize. Um, how to act as a person and how to be humble until you get to the highest level because it's usually the people at the lower levels that have those big egos and uh, at that point at 19 I mean I my head was big and then it kind of shrunk um, and I think that was a huge thing for me mentally uh, there's a lot of things that I take away from that but I think uh, improving me as a person in that was was the number one thing but am I going to sit here and say it was easy no I mean I did work that I'd never done before in my life uh, I'm super grateful that I had that opportunity it's one of the greatest internships you can have I was 19 I was working in the MOB I got to meet a whole bunch of fantastic people some that I still talk to today uh, I mean, unfortunately, everybody in that uh, media department uh, was uh, was fired by the Blue Jays following this season, following my internship expiring. There's actually only one uh, person left from that department. He was actually an intern with me. That still works there, Rodney. And uh, he's a fantastic guy. I still talk to him today. Um, so, you know, like I said, I mean, the, I can go on and on about my experience there, but uh, I learned a lot. Uh, it wasn't easy. And, uh, I mean, what I recommended for a kid or someone at 19, 20 years old to go there, ah, I don't know. I don't think I was ready for it, but um, it took a lot of adjusting. Absolutely. No question, Gio. What was it like almost transitioning after that? So after the Blue Jays was over, this was that fantastic, after the experience of working with the Blue Jays, where did you transition after that? Because you were you were situated were situated in Ottawa, and then obviously moving to staying in Toronto for a while is a huge move. What was it like um, um, going back, or where uh, where you went next? So after that, I went back to Ottawa and uh, I started broadcasting uh, CCHL. So I did the Ottawa Junior Senators. I did some Nepean Raiders games because there was the strike, so they needed help. Um, and I also did the Ottawa West Gold Knights as well as doing the CCHL Tier 1 and Tier 2 uh, communications. So I, I definitely learned a lot. I worked on my writing, which was super important because I wasn't the strongest writer. And I've still worked on, on my writing craft over the years since then. Uh, and then after that winter doing CCHL, I, uh, I moved to the United States, to Michigan. And uh, I was uh, brought in by Jesse Goldberg-Strassler as his uh, number two broadcaster and media relations assistant. So the Lansing Lugnets are the uh, Class A affiliate of the Toronto Blue Jays. So they're just uh, a couple of levels below the major leagues. So you have A, A Advanced, Double A, Triple A, and then you have the major leagues. So a couple of those prospects are up in the system. Um, and a few of those guys that... Uh, that uh, I broadcasted that year are in the major leagues. There's a lot of them from that league that are now in the major leagues. In fact, my roommate uh, made his major league debut this past summer, Danny Jimenez, shout out to him. Uh, he was uh, brought in by the San Francisco Giants and uh, he recorded his first major league strike. It was Mookie Betts, who was uh, an MVP candidate this year. So a big shout out to Danny. Uh, anyways, um, no, it was, uh, it was you know, the internship with the Toronto Blue Jays kind of... Um, brought me to my opportunity with the Lancey Lugnets where I broadcasted a 140-game minor league season, experienced that grind, met a lot of great people, worked under, you know, in my opinion, one of the greatest broadcasters uh, in North America, and Jesse Goldberg-Strassner, one of the smartest baseball broadcasters uh, in the industry. He was actually named the 2019 uh, 
baseball bro- or broadcaster of the year. Uh, he he was he was instrumental for me in my career. So it was it was definitely a transition moving to United States and moving to Michigan because uh, I had a host family. I had to get a ho- they got me a host family, and so uh, it was me. And I lived with uh, two other players and our video coach. So it was a packed house. The host fam- my host family, Carol and Daryl Walker. My God, they were fantastic. Uh, they made the transition a little bit easier for me. And then we had Danny Jimenez, who uh, was our star closer. We had uh, Claudio Custodio, who was a, a friend of mine. He's now with the Atlanta Braves organization. And then we had Chris Gabriel, who was the team's video uh, and coach. Uh, and then we also had a few other guys live with us throughout the year, like Matt Gunter and uh, uh, who else? Uh, Junior Inahosa, another Dominican guy. Uh, unfortunately, both of them were released. But, uh, yeah, no, it was uh, it was a fantastic uh it was a fantastic summer it was hard uh i was pushed uh, to my limits but for the better and if it wasn't for that blue jays internship i wouldn't have got a opportunity with a uh, blue jays affiliate and uh you know i was one of the only canadian broadcasters to ever broadcast minor league baseball in the united states and i was only 20 years old i was the youngest broadcaster um i believe in minor league baseball at that point or at least in a ball so uh you know, it was a huge challenge. I learned a lot, and uh, I am, you know, it's probably one of the greatest summers of my life, to be honest. Wow, that that is fantastic. Now transitioning, that was uh, two years ago, I believe, when you uh, uh, were doing that? Yeah, 2018. Yeah. Now, um, compared to uh, the summer we've had now, it's been quite different, at least for uh, sports broadcasting. Um, we've discussed this quite a few times in the podcast before. Um with uh, multiple multiple of our different guests um most of the time there was mostly back in uh july they were guessing about how things were going to be because obviously you know making this dated the virus hit um now personally for you i'd like to get your opinion on this uh seeing as that we've gone through uh quite a lot of things these past few months uh that have put blocks uh in the way um what what has been your thoughts on uh the pandemic and how things have been handled particularly towards sports broadcasting well uh, i don't know if i should just talk about sports broadcasting it's really everybody i mean i know family friends everybody around the world losing their their jobs losing their career or having their career put on hold because of the pandemic and and you know with broadcasting you and I can do what we're doing right now to stay hot and, and to stay, you know, in tune and and to get better. But, you know, there are other careers where people are just sitting at home and they don't really know what to do. For example, my cousin, Michael, he's, he's a pilot and he can't fly. Right. And he has a family, you know, he has two kids and, and his wife to take care of. He has a mortgage. He has all these things and there's nothing he can do. Right. He has to go back on unemployment insurance or CERB or whatever you want to call it compared to, you know, us who are broadcasters. We can, you know, take those avenues by going on EI or et cetera or whatever you want to call it and and still literally broadcast like we're literally broadcasting right now. So I don't think the broadcast uh, the broadcast industry has definitely suffered, especially for sports broadcasting. Like there's no sports going on at all. So there's no jobs um, for for guys like me, um, for other broadcasters out there. But uh, I don't think we have it as bad as other industries. I, I really don't. I know, I, I know a lot of people say our industry is r- pretty screwed right now, but I don't think we have it as bad as other people. And I, I like to stay positive. I, uh, I try to look at, um, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel. And obviously, if they can get a vaccine, then, 
uh, things are going to improve. But I mean, I don't really know if I want to get into how I think the virus has been handled. There's a lot of conspiracies. There's a lot of thoughts out there. And, and I think that would just go down a, a rabbit hole that I don't want to go down right now. But uh, all I'm going to say is, yes, the industry has has taken a huge hit. But I think there are industries out there that uh, are struggling more than us. Like I said, you know, travel industry, like being a pilot or working in, in the travel industry, like hotels, you know, think about, you know, I have friends in Dominican right now and their main source of income throughout every year is people traveling there. Nobody's traveling. So I think they're taking a hit. And there's, like I said, other industries out there that doesn't involve sports that are taking a hit right now. Oh, definitely. I I agree 100%. It's, it's, I think, I think every, uh, for lack of better terms, I feel like everybody's kind of getting screwed over in some capacity if, if I can, if I can say that, but yes, definitely. I appreciate, I appreciate your view on that. It's very, uh, no problem, man. Now, uh, something I wanted to ask now, before we wrap this up, uh, what's, uh, what's up currently with, uh, the diamond Dante? What's, uh, what can we expect from you? Well, uh, right now, um, I was hired on as the director of player procurement for the uh, Barry Baycats. The Barry Baycats are a uh, semi-pro baseball team located, obviously, in uh, Barry, Ontario. They play at, out of the uh, Intercounty Baseball League. So, uh, obviously, we're planning on playing this season. Um, obviously, COVID is going to have a, a huge say on if that happens. But right now, we're preparing as if we're going to play 100%. Um, yeah, so my job consists of, uh, you know, working with uh, general manager and head coach Josh Matlow on uh, on roster moves, including uh, trades, uh, signings, and like I said, other facets of uh, baseball operations. Uh, my main job is to recruit players. So uh, we just announced uh, two days ago the signing of uh, Jason Aquino. Uh, Aquino played in the major leagues for parts of two seasons. He's got a lot of experience, and uh, we're looking forward to him being our ace. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I used to broadcast for the Barry Baycats. I, uh, I helped out with them for parts of two seasons after I was done my full season there. I was the broadcaster in 2017 while I was doing my uh, internship with the Blue Jays. And then I did a couple of games in 2018 and in uh, 2019. But like I said, man, um, great organization. I, uh, I got my, uh, my big, st- uh, not my start because I did champions, Ottawa Champions games before. But I, but I had a huge opportunity with them in 2017. I'm, I'm very close with the organization. Uh, Josh, the new manager, um, is trying to, you know, do things that I really like. And, uh, you know, he needed a little bit of, uh, a little bit of a hand with the baseball stuff. And I have a lot of baseball connections and I obviously have great baseball knowledge. And uh, I thought it was just going to be a really fun opportunity. I mean, in the, in, you know, it's kind of in the light of the pandemic. It's something for me to do every day. Uh, until I can potentially get a, a broadcasting gig. And even while I still have a broadcasting gig, I can do this stuff remotely. It's really through my contacts, through the agents and coaches and players that I know that kind of, you know, get me these players. And it's been a lot of fun. Like I said, we we announced Aquino. Uh, he's going to be a fantastic pitcher for us. We also announced a couple of weeks ago, Andres Sotil, who's a very close friend of mine. We were together in Lansing and uh, it was an easy sell to get him in. He's going to be a, a star catcher in the league. And uh, there's a couple of more moves to come. Obviously, I've been working really hard on making moves. Uh, I can't say uh, what's going to happen just yet because nothing's official. But uh, we're going to be a really good ball club. We won six championships in a row. Uh, No team in Canadian baseball history, let alone in the IBL, has ever won seven championships in a row. That's my goal. I want to ring at the end of the year if we play. And uh, that's the ceiling right now. I mean, everybody calls us the Yankees of, of the league. Well, 
let us be the Yankees. We'll, uh, you know, we got a target on our back, and uh, that doesn't bother me one bit. Well, that's fantastic. I can't wait to hear more about these upcoming Yankees, the Yankees of the league. And I just want to say <laughs> thank you, Dante, for taking the time to be on the show today. Where can the people find you if they want to follow you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Diamond uh, underscore Dante. You can find me on Instagram at uh, Diamond Dante. I'm, I'm not really too active on uh, social media these days, but uh, or add me on Facebook if you want onto to carry but uh, yeah if you want to find me find me there if you want to reach out if you have if anyone's listening and have any questions about broadcasting or <laughs> um you know baseball stuff just uh, send me a shout and i will respond like right away all right well thanks for coming on the show it was great to have you on great to hear your insight not only a fantastic broadcaster but also a great guy to play some some among us with <laughs> so thought i'd mention that as well uh thanks for coming on dante and thanks for listening to the geo show if you want to find more episodes of the show we were on spotify stitcher apple podcasts all of that you can find it all from the facebook page and that'll take that's basically our hyperlink gets you where you need to go um, I'd like to thank our guest Dante DiCaria for joining us on the show today and more content is coming soon. You can find me on Twitter at Petty underscore Geo. That is P-E-T-T-I underscore Geo. Dante, anything you want to say before we wrap up? Paisan, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. You have a fantastic week. And uh, like I said, really appreciate this, man. Well, thank you. Thanks again for listening to the show. We'll catch you next episode coming up soon. Ciao. The Geo Show. Geo Show. The Geo Show. The Geo Show. And if you're looking for a good hands-off coffee experience in the Ottawa area, look no further than the Daily Grind Coffee Company. All their brews are made by machine, no human contact. Since 2018, Daily Grind Coffee Company has been providing Starbucks quality coffee at a Tim Hortons price. Find them online at thedailygrindcoffeecompany.ca.